Welcome to the January Donovan Show. I'm the founder of The Women's School, where our bold vision is to rebuild culture one woman's worth at a time. And we're doing that by providing an education and training platform for women. Because the best way to fight the devaluing of women today is to have a strength of mind, to be skilled, and to be strategic about how we can influence culture. And the best way we can do that is to train ourselves. We have a duty to personally develop who we need to become for the world so that we can set the world on fire. And in the woman's school, our vision is to form women so she can transform culture. Join me as I talk about how we can be a force for society. And it begins with us developing ourselves. Welcome to the January Diamond Show. Today, we're going to talk about why marriage is sold to us as a life of hardship. If you're new to us, welcome. Uh, the vision of the Women's School is to offer practical life training on how we can become a whole version of ourselves. My name is January Donovan, founder of the Women's School. And so I want to kind of go into this topic because it's something that I think it needs to be addressed and reassessed. And this idea that as a culture, we have, I would say, subconsciously assumed and agreed that marriage is going to be so hard that it's going to be a life of cross and agony. And the reason why I, I sort of point this out and that I wanted to speak about this is because I was at church uh, this past Sunday and I'm sitting with my eight children, starting with my 16 year old and my husband is there and the priest, uh, you know, shares a homily and he shares kind of a story of um, his own family and his own experience. And then he goes about and saying, marriage is designed to be hard and it's the cross. And I'm sitting there and all these college uh, students and I'm sitting there with my children and for, you know, the next five minutes goes on and on about how hard and how marriage is designed to be a life of misery. Now, I looked at my children after he sort of went off his rent and I said, that's not the way God designed marriage. And I looked at my children and said, that doesn't have to be your reality. I pushed back right there because I knew that what they hear from the pul pulpit is obviously, you know, uh, something that they would inherit and assume for themselves. And if I didn't push back on it, then they could believe and create a life and a mindset for life that tells them life, a married life is designed to be a life of agony. Here's my question. How are we supposed to teach the next generation the beauty of marriage, the rewards of marriage, and how are we supposed to sell them the gift of marriage if what we are doing as mentors from the pulpit, as influencers, as parents, is to tell them that marriage is a cross? How many times have you been told that marriage is a lifelong cross? Imagine if our narrative was marriage is amazing. Marriage is so worth fighting for. It is so worth waiting for. It is the path towards a greater fulfillment. It is what makes life sweet. It is so beautiful that I want you to wait for that 
person that God designed you for your life? What if we sold the dream and not the misery? That the resurrection is ultimately why, you know, our Lord endured the cross. But what we are hearing is sort of this assumption that it's automatically hard. I'm going to talk about in a few minutes why marriage is hard. If you like this post and if you like our training, please uh, subscribe and like this video so that more people can actually hear some more practical life training. Back to this. So we're going to talk a little bit about why I think, you know, marriage is, is hard today and why our culture, you know, focuses so much on the hardship of marriage. But first, let's talk about casting a vision of marriage that actually invites the youth, the young people towards hope and joy. Because we have this part of our brain that God designed called a reticular activating system, which allows us to actually um, focus uh, and expand what we focus on. If you are looking for a Honda white Accord or Honda van or a white van, all of a sudden you start seeing all the white van. If you're pregnant, you start to see all the pregnant people that you never saw before. Uh, if you're looking for a blue dress, you start to notice all the blue dress. Why? Because that part of your brain is actually signaling and saying, this is what you're looking for. So that's what you'll find. Now let's put that into this idea of marriage. If we are assuming that marriage is hard and agonizing and it's painful, why would anybody want to get married? Number one. And number two, what we focus on expands, which means that all of a sudden, if you're looking for all the hard things in your life, you're going to see all the hard things in your life. If you're going to see all the things that you don't have, you're going to see all the things that you don't have. If you're going to focus on the fact that marriage is horrible, it is going, you're going to find evidence of why marriage is horrible. And so what we are telling everyone else around us is focus on the negativity of marriage and not the beauty of marriage. Can you imagine if we casted a, we casted a vision for marriage that was based on hope and joy and how amazing marriage is? How many people would want to get married, would work on their marriage, would perhaps prepare for the, themselves for marriage, and also advertise the gift that marriage offers through the union that God designed our families to be, a designed man and woman to be? Do you know that more Gen Z are opting out of marriage? One out of four opting out of marriage. Why is it? Well, we're not doing a good job advertising the beauty of marriage. And so I think that we need to push back against the cultural narrative and assumption that marriage was designed to be hard. Now, are there hard moments? Absolutely. Like most great things. I, I'm building a business. There are a lot of hard moments, but it is so fulfilling. I have eight children. Are there hard moments? Absolutely. But is motherhood hard and agonizing and it becomes the perpetual cross of my life? No, it is the greatest fulfillment in my lifetime as a woman. But it is not without a cross. As a matter of fact, the crosses are there so that we can usher, you know, a life of resurrection. So what am I saying? Well, let's push back against the cultural narrative, even if it means actually it's in our faith community, that marriage is a life time of hard, because what's going to happen is that you decide to get married. What do you hear from people? That's what I heard growing up. Uh, you know, when we first got married, it's all downhill from here. Wait till the first year. The first year is the hardest, the seven year itch. I mean, honestly, I remember Ryan, when we first got married and, you know, we were very committed in growing ourselves and developing marriage that um, would build a beautiful life. And one of the first comments that we receive after we got married is that wait till you know, wait till a year from now, wait till seven years. And I remember Ryan looking back at me and said, I can't wait for seven years and share to the world that we're still in love. What if that was the focus? So number one, let's not um, just receive this cultural conditioning without pushing back 
on what we deeply desire, which is a fulfilling marriage, a marriage that's full of joy and life and adventure, not assuming that marriage is going to be a life of agony. I think we need to push back. And so the question is, who are you going to push back against? Who are you going to, you know, say, um, I would say, push back in your community when the narrative and the conversation becomes so sour and it's sort of this symphony of complaint and whine of how agonizing marriage is. The distinction matters. Are there challenging moments? Absolutely. Is it designed to be a life of agony and suffering? I don't know the way God designed. I think that God designed us to be fully alive in our marriage amidst the suffering, but it's not designed to be a perpetual cross. Now, are there crosses that we can endure in a way that's joyful? Yes, absolutely. Maybe there's a suffering, maybe there's an illness, but that doesn't mean that we can't find joy in marriage. And if our focus is how horrible and how agonizing marriage is, what are we going to get more of? How horrible and agonizing marriage is. Now, a second reason why it's so important for us to make sure that we have the right perspective is that how are we modeling it for our children? They eventually will have to make a choice in their lifetime and their what they want to choose to do, who they want to marry, their vocation. And if we model for them this agonizing uh, mindset about marriage, why would they want to get married? Why would they want to invest in themselves for a beautiful married life? Why would they wait for the right person when it's not even worth waiting for? I turned to my children and my husband, sure enough, was sitting with my little guy because my two, my three and four-year-old uh, still can't seem to sit in the pew. And we looked at each other and we looked at our children, all of our children, all, you know, kind of the ones that understood. And we said, nod our head. They know. They know that we don't, uh, you know, uh, adhere to that mindset that marriage is designed to be agonizing and beautiful. They understood that. And so even in that sort of moment we and my husband whispered to my children's ears and my ears and said, that's not the way God designed it. It is designed to be beautiful. And then I pulled them aside afterwards and said, why would you want to get married if the marriage is hard? Why would these children, though, there was there was all these college students there. Why would they get married if we advertise them? And so I, you know, my, my oldest is 16 year old. So I really wanted him to wrestle with what is what sort of that mindset that it was given and you know the priest was doing the best as he can it's probably he's probably hearing a lot of hard marriages and that's probably also the perspective that he was given so it's not a fault of, of the priest all i'm saying is that there is this cultural assumption narrative and almost to a point where the faithful don't really push back against it we just assume that that's the case and so what i wanted to do with my children is pull them aside and say, it doesn't have to be your reality. Your reality can be beautiful and that marriage is designed by God to be fully alive. Why? Because God's glory is man fully alive. How can man be fully alive? Yes, through that union, great union, that he designed men and women to be actually complementarity, to have a family. So why would God want to say, well, it's supposed to be a life of perpetual hardship? How I would say that the image of God that we have sometimes is based on our own wounds and not based on the redemption that God heals all wounds. And so we have this sort of dampened image. And, and so we want to make sure that our children are receiving the message of hope, the message of joy amidst, uh, I would say, the narrative around marriage. So that's number one, is that how we are modeling marriage and how it's being talked upon. Number three, we have to make sure that um, we are paying attention to how it is uh, subconsciously wiring the design of what marriage is in our children's mindset, but it also in our mindset. But also, how was marriage modeled in our own mindset, right? We have 5% of our conscious mind and 95% of our conscious mind. We don't know what we don't know. It's all functioning. Our subconscious conditioning and our subconscious mind is... Um, 
responsible for all the functions that we don't even know involuntarily. So there's so many beliefs that are buried into our subconscious conditioning, which then determines our behavior. The 95% of our brain trumps the 5% of our brain. And so we want to pay attention to maybe how was marriage modeled for you? Was it modeled for you in a way that you also believe that it was hard and agonizing and a perpetual cross? Or was it modeled for you as, uh, as, as a way also where there are moments of hardships, but it's designed to be beautiful and that your parents were flirting and that they were in love and that the marriage is full of life, right? Because now you want to make sure that you're paying attention to the generational conditioning that's happening. So you can cut off where you need to cut off and build upon something that's true, good, and beautiful. So that's number one is pay attention to your conditioning so that you can recondition your children to what you want for your children, which is a beautiful marriage. You want what's good for your children, a marriage that's full of life. And so what we want is make sure that we put a, a stop to this cultural conditioning and subconscious wiring so that we don't create a generational conditioning and crisis that marriage is designed to be hard. This is a reason why a lot of people that, you know, have broken marriages end up with broken marriages. Why? Because the cold, the conditioning of their belief system becomes their reality. Why? Because our subconscious mind is so strong. This is what we teach in the woman's school. If you are not yet part of the woman's school, please um, learn more about our school because this is really where we build the right foundation of what it means to be a woman and to be human based on our subconscious mind, based on our God-given um, subconscious conditioning that we might not know is hurting the kind of relationship that we want, the kind of marriage that we want, the kind of friendship that we want, uh, and the kind of life that we want, which is a life fully alive. And so... Uh, <clears throat> Think about the generational, um, I would say, belief system that you want to shift. And it goes back to also new, you um, paying attention, right? Such as what this priest is, is, is talking about um, in sort of perpetuating this idea that marriage is hard. Now, um, bring awareness, make sure you model for your children, push back against this false narrative so that we can rebuild culture where marriages are beautiful and not full of agony. That's how we invite people into this greater union that's worth waiting for and worth fighting for. Now, the question, why is marriage hard? So I do think that marriage has become harder, that it is a reality for a lot of people, but it doesn't mean that that's the way God designed it. It's hard, I believe, for three reasons. Number one, we live in a very different world where it's busy and it's distracting and we are not actually um, paying attention to the needs. We're not reflecting, we're not processing, we're not engaging in deeper questioning. And so our problem, the things, the circumstances that make it hard, we don't take time to analyze it, to process it because the circumstance in our life is that we have, we don't have the infrastructure based on time. And the, I would say that the, the fast, you know, pace of life to actually reflect on it. This is also the reason why there's a lot of midlife crisis and an unprocessed life. So that's number one, the factor of reflection. Number two, there is a lack of training in how to actually prepare for marriage. Every season of a woman's life, of a man's life, requires new mindset and new skill set. When you're a teenager, you have to learn new sets of boundaries, right? You maybe learn boundaries as an eight-year-old, your parents taught you, but then you have to learn it as a teenager. Then you have to learn to manage your mind when people are speaking ill of you. And then you need to learn how to pivot from negativity. These are skill sets. Then you need to learn how to make decisions when you're placed with 10 decisions and not just two decisions, right? As you grow, so should your ability to develop yourself and your mindset and your skill set. But if that is lacking in the preparation of the human person, then inevitably we are making choices of who um, our spouses are based on a 
you know, a lack based on a limited idea of uh, what this person is for us. And so there, I believe, is a lack of training on preparing for the relationship. As a woman, when we don't prepare how to manage our home or how to manage our mind, it does make a marriage really challenging. But if you walk into a married life with skill set, and if you also knew and had the skill set to find the right person and the mindset to find the right person, and you understood the growth that's necessary to develop yourself and your skill set year after year as a couple, it's not as hard as we think. It's only hard because we lack the skill. It's sort of like, you know, you decide you want to play the piano and you realize you you lack the skill set and you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, piano is so hard. And then I'm going to give up on piano because in order to go to the next level, you need to develop new skill set. But see, we don't have the infrastructure of training prior to marriage, during marriage, to help us actually prepare for a beautiful life of marriage. Training that are foundational, training that are um, irreplaceable to actually, that actually impacts the quality of your married life. Let me give you an example. If you don't know how to say no to yourself as a skill set, right? Say no to, to um, scrolling an internet, say no on um, binging on Netflix, say no on going out and doing so many things, say no on eating quality food that makes you more tired and not present to your family. It's going to be a harder marriage. Because if you're sitting there and binge watching on Netflix and you're not helping to become a better version of yourself and then your husband gets frustrated or if you don't, you'll be procrastinating in the laundry or you procrastinate at work or for whatever reason you're late, all of that impacts the quality of your marriage. Those are skill set. Another example is building a routine. One of the things that I was heavily trained on in college that I didn't realize the importance of it was building a routine. I had to write my routine every single day um, in a piece of tiny paper uh, even though I already knew my routine as a, a training methodology that my mentor trained me, my coach trained me, which I trained heavily in the woman's school. And that routine then become the foundation of my motherhood, four kids under four, but because the routine and the ability to say no to unnecessary activities was ingrained in me from college life, that then made it four kids under four seamless and peaceful. I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I'm saying that somebody trained me with the right how, because then there was you know, order in my life and in my home. I knew when laundry was in, I knew when to sleep, I knew when my children slept, I knew when, you know, also, um, you know, when to actually cook a meal. That was already ingrained in my subconscious conditioning for years and years and years. That changed the quality of my married life, but also my family life. So these some of these things we were never trained for. It's not like you get planning training or routine training in school. And if you don't get it at home, it's something that you might you might not learn or you, you're sort of hodgepodge learning elsewhere without even bearing into your subconscious conditioning so that it becomes a way of being, not just a way of doing, right? Building a routine, it just becomes part of you. It's, it's having a system of a rhythm of life as a woman that helps impact your marriage. So what am I saying to you? The deprivation of a skill set makes marriage really hard. The infrastructure of uh, that's necessary to develop ourselves and our minds and our skill set. Now, skill set in the woman's school we call it just virtues broken down into bite-sized pieces because we all want to live a life of virtue. A life of virtue actually leads to a greater fulfillment. But how do we do that when it seems so big, right? How do you live, you know, temperance? Or how do you live fortitude? How do you live judgment? We don't know how to make a decision. We make thirty-five thousand decisions a day as a woman. If we don't know how to make decision-making skill, life will quickly become anxious and complicated, and also compounding. Also, lack of skill set. So if you don't know how to make decision, you don't know how to build a routine, you don't know how to pivot, you don't know how to say no, that all compounds together. And you bring that into marriage 
and you're saying, I want a beautiful marriage and you lack the skill set, it is going to be challenging. So I think those, you know, number one, the infrastructure and the way, the way our world has changed and the lack of training and how to be a woman and how to be human and developing both our minds and skill set actually, I think, compounds it uh, dramatically. And I think um, number three, we don't know our unconditional worth. That makes marriage very, very challenging. What do I mean by that? Most people today are not attuned of their unconditional value. Why? Because we've been conditioned to believe that our value, our worth as a person, right? Our our worth, our value is never changing. It's God-given. Nothing changes you. And you know that biological evidence of your DNA, your genetic, your brain composition, your probability from a very, I would say, practical level, biological level, you can give yourself enough evidence that you're unrepeatable, unique human being. That's what we teach in the woman's school. But the problem is that if you don't know that, right, because you've never been trained that, then you'll sort of presume that your value is based on what? What we call poisonous pee in the woman's school, your popularity, your position of power, your possession, your perfection, and your, um, what's the what you can produce, right? Uh, if I'm an A student, I'm more valuable than if I was a D student. This is literally conditioning right into our school system. And so what happens is that for, you know, four years old, five years old, seven years old, you're conditioned to believe that your outfit, right? The name brand makes you more valuable. The car that you drive, the grades, the people you hang out with, how many likes you have. And this has become a way of, of being, a lot of parents are not aware of it. They become actual victim of it. They also buy the fancy name brand so that they can feel valuable because they don't know that their worth is unconditional and that they can wear clothes from Walmart or clothes from Louis Vuitton or whatever the different fashion, and it doesn't change their value. And so then you bring that into marriage and you don't know your unconditional value. So what do you do? You live a life of proving and pleasing, and then you become resentful, right? Oh, my value is not based on what my husband thinks of me. I am valuable as I am. So I am not afraid to hold you accountable, raise the standard because I'm not afraid that you will devalue me because I know my value. And not only that, when you know your value, you also raise the standard of how people, your husband, especially see your value if you're not willing to compromise, right? This is why a lot of pornography is tolerated in a marriage because we don't know our value. I have women that come to me and say, oh, my, hus my husband is, is just suffering. And that's why he did, you know, he was able to get into pornography, feel so bad for him. The manipulation that happens when you don't know your unconditional worth becomes rampant. And we make excuses for ourselves and our spouses because we don't know that our value is so important that no, you shouldn't be watching pornography. And if you're watching pornography, you're telling me that I'm not as valuable. And what happened is so manipulated that we almost feel bad that we are holding our spouse accountable instead of raising the standard and say, no, that's not acceptable, period. Because you are devaluing our relationship and who I am by watching sort of pornography. All this becomes part of why marriage is hard when we don't know our value. Now, imagine if two people, you know, who have lost who's going so fast and so busy and has no time to reflect. And then they also lack the skill set and marriage that's required to continually grow and develop themselves. And they don't have the foundational skills of decision-making of uh, quality questions of forgiveness. It's a skill. These are not, we're not born with it of pivoting of hard conversation. That's a very important skill set. You know, if you don't have have hard conversation, everything, you think everything is an attack, right? These are necessary. If you don't know how to manage your tonality, imagine that lack of skill set, compounding that with you not knowing your value as a human being. And as a woman, even as a woman, you don't understand your unconditional worth. That makes mar marriage very hard.
Now, if we solve that problem, which is what we're trying to do in the women's school, is equip women to understand their unconditional worth by rewiring their brain, give them the mindset and skills that necessary, and then give them the tools to actually manage the fast-paced, busy culture by equipping them with the right scripts to actually deepening their question of who they are and what they want and what they don't want, then what we can do is maybe reverse this cycle of maybe marriage was not designed to be hard. We were just ill-equipped to actually create and design a beautiful marriage. I'm pushing back against this because how can we continue with this world of lack of hope when we are telling our future generation that marriage is horrible. No, it is not. God would not design something that is so beautiful that it brings forth life to be a perpetual agonizing thing. Yes, everything that's true, good, and beautiful will in itself have its crosses. But to imagine and sell the future generation and sell the world of how hard marriage is, and that's the way God designed it, what kind of God would do that to us? It is not a loving God. It's like, I tricked you. The most beautiful thing and bond in the world is also the hardest thing. No, it's the same thing with marriage. I'm sorry, with, with being a mother. Is labor hard? Absolutely. Hard moments of labor when you're pushing it and you're pregnant. It's, you know, nine months. But the gift that it does to see your child smile and, and revel in their joy is irreplaceable. But what we focus on expands back to our reticular activating system. So here's my challenge for you. Number one, how are you... Um, I would say, how is your mindset in context to marriage? Is it a life of suffering or is it a divine adventure full of joy and hope? Number two, how are you modeling for the people around you, your children, your family, your community, the gift of marriage? How are you intentionally replacing this narrative in our culture that marriage is hard and beautiful? It's not enough to live it beautifully. You have to find a way to strategically Sell it to the people around you of how beautiful it is in a very genuine and sincere way. Because what good is it hiding your light in the bushel, under the bushel, right? How are you not just modeling it, but evangelizing it incarnately in your married life? Number three, how are you investing in your own growth in your relationship? Now, a growth in a fixed mindset in marriage makes it really hard. That's another podcast for itself. But basically, if you're open to growing or not open to growing. Now, when I, you know, uh, coach couples... I, the first thing I do with whatever issue they have is actually let them go through a fix and growth mindset processing. Because if you don't have a growth mindset, you can't learn anything new. And it doesn't matter what we teach because you're incapable of receiving it. But most of us are unaware of it. So how are you then continue developing yourself? Um, and I think last is that I think beauty can save the world. That's what Dostoevsky said, you know, and I truly believe that a beautiful marriage can save the world. That the marriage and a union of a man and woman that is fully alive, full of hope, can become a greater evangelist than apologetics because we're not telling them. We're incarnating truth, beauty, and goodness and what it means to be fully alive in our marriage. And it goes true for our children. It goes through for those single people out there that are hopeful what married life is. It's true for our community. And I think we owe it to our community to make marriage beautiful again and to embody and incarnate and to fight for beautiful marriage, the kind of union that God designed and desires for their beloved. And I think that's what the new feminism movement ought to be. The fifth wave of feminism is that freedom of responsibility. It is harnessing beauty as a path towards truth. It is embodying the art of being a woman and pushing back against 
a cultural false narrative that sells us on the lies of the original design of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be married, and what it means to be a family. So if this podcast serves you, please share it. Please follow us, please like us, and press on the bell so that you'll hear more of our practical life training. Thank you again. If you're interested in our women's school practical life training, we have a new woman masterclass uh, that you can uh, join us and really join this movement of rebuilding culture, one whole woman at a time, one relationship at a time, one family at a time. God bless you Go forth and conquer. There is no school that teaches us how to be a woman, how to manage our mind, our emotions, our bodies, our homes, our relationships, our careers and friendship, and all the practical skills that we need to honor every part of our life and become the woman we deeply desire to be. Women have a universal desire to live a life of meaning and contribution. And yet, we are being blamed and shamed for the choices no one taught us how to make. Think about it. Doctors, teachers, nurses, and every other profession get access to training, and yet women are expected to know how to be a woman just because they're born a woman. But worst, we are valued based on our performance, perfection, position, popularity, and power we call the poisonous bee, which is why so many women quietly doubt if they're good enough. The truth is that our worth is unconditional and our value is not for sale. We are all unique and unrepeatable, and what we offer the world is irreplaceable. The Women's School is a how-to school for women for such a time as this. It is time for women to rise up, become who she was created to be, and set the world on fire. My name is January Donovan, founder of The Women's School, which is a how-to school for women for such a time as this. I'm a mom of eight and a business owner, and I truly believe that it is time for women to rise up, become who she was created to be, and set the world on fire. I created a foundational training on how to be a woman so that you can understand your value and your purpose for such a time in history where we are being erased. So buckle up and prepare yourself for the rise of the new woman.